welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Daniel Fox. Daniel is a fifth-generation farmer and the third generation currently farming their 2,100 hectare or about 5,200 acre farm near Mara, New South Wales in Australia. He farms with his granddad and grandma, Bun and Lois, his dad and mom, David and Kathy, and his wife, Rach. They grow wheat, barley, chickpea, lentil, faba bean, and canola. They recently changed to a disc-seeding, stripper-front, continuous cropping system. They started their harvest weed seed control efforts with narrow windrow burning before converting to chaff lining in 2016. Daniel recently received the Excellence in Innovation Award at the National Farmer of the Year Awards held in Canberra in October. Hello, Daniel. Good afternoon. How are you going? I'm doing well. So for my listeners back home in the U.S., can you give us a little more background on your farming operation? Yep. Well, our farming operation is based around uh, winter cropping summer fallow, um, which has traditionally been the way it's been for, for a lot of years. Um, you know, as you said, we've, um, we're transitioning, or uh, have transitioned into a disseeding stripper front system and, and incorporating a few different row crops to what we've traditionally done. So with the with faber beans and uh, lentils and, and chickpeas. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really in a, in a transition phase at the moment um, that's really based around, um, yeah, but, um, based around the, the winter cropping, summer fallow, but, yeah, trying to introduce a few summer species as well. So, and so when I was in Nebraska, I did a lot of work bringing in different um, cropping systems from the traditional winter wheat fallow when they switched from conventional tillage to no-till and obviously that's something you've seen too that as you as you cut back on the tillage the need for crop rotation and, and crop diversity really increases oh absolutely yeah when uh, the first break crops come come into our area which was which was canola back in in dad's era uh, they saw a lot of big productivity gains um once that crop was introduced in the in the whole rotation so uh, what we're finding now with the different cropping um uh cropping species like uh, lentils and faber beans and, and chickpeas that are coming into our system now. We're seeing a lot of uh, big benefits to the to the rotation as a whole um, with their introduction. So, Okay. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your main weed issues and what you're doing to address them? Uh, I think you have some of the similar issues to us. Italian ryegrass is one that's quite problematic, and I think you have something rather similar here that you've been dealing with or are trying to deal with. Yep. Yeah. Well, our, our major major weeds uh, in our winter winter program, uh, yeah, ryegrass, uh, brome grass, and uh, what we call black oats, but uh, you'd probably know them as wild oats. Yep. Um, we're finding that uh, there's a lot of uh, resistance just starting to creep into our system, uh, and what we've also been seeing is through uh, continual use of herbicides in the same manner of, of what we had in the last. 30 odd years, we're starting to see seed dormancy come into into the equation now as well, where they're escaping the 
the herbicide application and actually germinating later once, um, especially in canola, once we can't actually apply the herbicide to target them anymore. So, um, yeah, we're really seeing um, a lot of challenges come up with in regards to weeds probably, and they've really only been challenges probably in the last five or six years, I suppose, they've really started to, to rear their ugly head. And, um, yeah, we really had to decide pretty swiftly on, on some different management tactics that, that we could use to control them. So, Now, one reason uh, we came or I came to Australia and one reason we came to your farm is because you're doing, uh, you're active in harvest, what we call harvest weed seed control. Uh, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about your, uh, what you've been trying and what changes you've made to it over, over the years. Yep. Uh, well, we first started um, with a, a technique that was called uh, wind, uh, narrow windrow burning, which we collect all the all the residue and, and put it in a narrow row, uh, no wider than sort of 50 or 60 centimetres um, or less than two feet. Uh, and then we want to concentrate everything there and then burn it um, so that we're actually getting a good hot burn and, and um, burning all the weed seeds and, and sterilising them that way. Um, what we learnt through the 2000s, we had a really bad drought and we learnt, really learnt the value of keeping our residue and that's partly the reason why we've gone to this stripper front deceder system um, is is the conservation of moisture and keeping the soils cool through our, our residue. Uh, and we found a couple of years ago uh, the actual cost for us to do narrow windrow burning, although there was no not a lot of upfront cost, um, the cost that it, it made for the next crop through through the removal of residue was was quite large. So we realised that we had to do something different to, to still do harvest weed seed control, but try and maintain our, our residue and, and keep our soils covered at the same time. And uh, we stumbled across a, a technique called chaff lining, which we just take the um, the chaff off the back of the sieves, which should contain all your weed seeds if they haven't ended up in into the box and, and delivered, um, and then concentrating them in an ultra-tight row sort of no no wider than 20 centimetres um, or 20, 25 centimetres. Um, so much, yeah, and then much tighter than your, than your um, uh, narrow windrow burning. But instead of burning it, we just leave it there to rot. So um, the, the uh, by composting them that way, um, they actually, yeah, they, they uh, don't germinate. And the ones that do, we actually know where they are, so we can actually go in with a, a targeted approach um, on a high rate of herbicide or we're hoping in the future there might be some different technologies like microwave technology um, that can come along and actually um, yeah, terminate those those survivors that, that have germinated. So yeah, uh, so for those listeners in the U.S. Who, uh, where we haven't converted to the metric system, 20 to 25 centimetres is going to be Nine to twelve inches, some yeah, around about, yeah, yeah, less than a foot is, yeah. is ideally what you want. And um, there's been some some good blokes here um, doing some research on on the density of chaff that you need in that as well to to um, yeah to really stop any germination at all. And um, anecdotally, we're seeing that there is good rotting on the bottom bottom side of the chaff line, but yeah, on the top you do certainly get a little bit of germination of those weed seeds that happen. Um, but really, for us, uh, we're concentrating them into a narrow row where instead of competing with your crop on the rest of the 12 metre, 12 metre run, um, they're actually competing against themselves and, and become highly competitive against themselves. So they're actually forming less seeds 
per plant and and um, not yeah not competing against the crop that way. So okay, I've noticed one thing that seems to be fairly common here that's not so common in, in eastern Washington is is tram line farming. So having all your equipment set up on the same widths and driving the same rows over and over again. Is that critical to this chaff lining operation? Uh, it's not critical, but it does help. Um, a bit of background is that we've got, oh, our, our operation runs on a 12 meter control traffic system. Um, our, all the implements that go into the field are on three meter wheel centers or 120 inches. Um, and then every pass of every machine is done on, on multiples of 12 meters. So, um, cedar and combine are on 12 metres, uh, boom spray is on 36, um, but all got that common common path that they travel down. Um, in terms of harvest weed seed control for us, that makes it uh, really easy. Um, we're, we're putting our chaff line back in the same position every year, as, as you said before, and um, getting that, uh, that multiple passes, so multiple um, uh, chaff put on the same spot and building building residue in that area, building chaff residue in that area. So we're actually making a very hostile environment for weeds to, to grow and, and propagate in. So um, it's a bit, you know, char the weeds and or the crop as well don't like growing in chaff. They want to be growing in soil. So if we can get them growing in chaff, they're very, they become very weak and then they are competing with each other as well, um, you know, which takes a lot of the competition against, against the crop out. So... I was here for watching some harvest a couple of days ago, and I was really impressed how you laid that chaff line right on top of the previous year's chaff line. It was quite accurately done, yep. so pretty, pretty impressive. Yep. What are some of the costs associated with chaff lining? You mentioned it was a, a fairly cheap uh, approach to harvest weed seed control. Can you talk a little bit about what, what it takes to get yourself set up for chaff lining? Yep. Uh, well, yeah, chaff lining um, is the cheapest form of harvest weed seed control. Uh, you've got multiple different options. You've got the um, Rolls-Royce, which is a, the uh, integrated seed destructor, um, which is a, a set of mills fitted into the back of the combine. Uh, you've got um, you've got your, your tram lining kit, which um, you, you put your, your weed seeds on the actual tram lines themselves uh, at, a, at a bit less cost than, than what your terminators are. And then... Um, and then, you know, for us, the chaff lining, for all it took was a bit of scrap steel and a, and a bit of time to, to weld a shoot up that will collect the um, the weed seeds and the chaff off the back of the sieves in the combine and um, and then build a baffle so that you can actually prevent those weed seeds getting sucked into the chopper and, and spread. So we want to direct everything that's on the on the chaff on the on the sieves into the, this shoot that's virtually made out of scrap steel and. And a bit of time, and and uh, yeah, it's it's very very low cost. So, okay. So if uh, somebody back in Washington or the Western U.S. Uh, wanted to get uh, involved in harvest weed seed control, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, well, I think yeah, the first thing is is identifying that you you could have issues in the future with with herbicide resistance. Um, for me. My opinion is that we need to throw the whole toolbox at our weeds, and that includes non-chemical modes of action, uh, and a really critical one to, to maintain our herbicides into the future is to, to collect the weeds that get through them uh, at harvest time. Um, so I think, uh, first of all, deciding that you, you do need to, to make some action, uh, um, and the sooner the better. 
uh, on harvest weed seed control. But um, the, the number one thing with harvest weed seed control is you need to get them into the harvester. Um, and that, that's all to do with um, your harvest height. So we've got a, a rule of thumb here. Um, standard measure in Australia is the beer can height, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, you know, 15 centimetres high, which is uh, oh, six, inches. six inches. So uh, we want to be harvesting our, our crop as low as we can to, to get all of the residue, um, all the weed seeds into, into the harvester so that we can deal with them. Um, next step is that we need to be able to get them out of the rover uh, and onto the sieve so that we can actually deal with them. So once they're on the sieves, they're very easy to, to catch with either whichever form of harvest weed seed control you, you've chosen. Um, but for us, yeah, it's, it, once they're on the sieves, they're into the into the chaff line. So okay, so um, we do have issues with uh, herbicide resistance. We don't have to wait around for them. So that's one reason I I came here was to see that and. And I think um, you've mentioned a couple times to me the this double knock system, which is rather common in in uh, Australia. I think it originally related to herbicides, but yep. but you're actually kind of giving it a double knock when you give a herbicides in crop and then come and kind of double knock it as or, yeah. or deal with it a second time at, yeah. at harvest time, which is a period of time we've kind of missed historically. We've just absolutely. whatever was there was there, and we were just going to have to spread it around. But now. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's something to say that, that our production system has has been faced with. You know, for for as long as we've been harvesting um, harvesting crop, we've been harvesting weeds, um, and we've been spreading them out and and dealing with them the following years. So, um, yeah, it's it's quite an important thing that um, this this double knock mentality that we've got that we're always backing backing up what we're doing with something else that's going to help if that fails and one thing that we know about mother nature is that she's always going to be one step ahead of us um and, and things are going like plants are going to evolve and and try and beat or get around anything that we do so if we apply a herbicide it's going to be a certain percentage of the population that's going to get around that so if we can throw as many tools in the toolbox at them and keep using the double knock principle i suppose you'd call it to to keep backing up what we're doing with every other thing that we're doing, um, be that row spacings, harvest weed seed control, double herbicide knocks, um, rotation is an important one as well, you know, crop rotation, um, competitive crops, all those different tools that we've got. If we're, we're stacking them and, and using each one to back every other thing we've got up, we should hopefully succeed and, and, and really drive our weed seed bank down. So. All right. Well, thank you very much, Danny. I appreciate the time you've taken to visit with me today and to show me around and let me watch you harvest the other day. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all right, dude. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lion at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.